Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampion. And my guest today is a techie from the West Coast, Ms. Lynn Lucas. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so I, we, I'm always just scouring on Instagram and then I find people profiles and then I found your profile. I don't even know how, but <laughs> like <laughs> you had like some very interesting like TikTok videos and stuff like that. <laughs> Then I reached out to you, and you was—I reached out to you before about a podcast, and you was like, "I don't know what to talk about." And then you reached back to me and said, "I know what to talk about," and you said you wanted to talk about activism at your age, which is interesting because I never really thought about it. So, you—you're yeah. fifty. You're in your fifties. So, how does activism look different for you? I am. Um, I'm. I just turned fifty-four this year. Um, and being that age and having a fair amount of gray hair, if your listeners go to my IG, my IG is um, <laughs> at the fashion, um, um, the T-H-E fashion, F-A-S-H-I-O-N, nom, N-O-M. Um, they'll see I have a fair amount of gray hair. Um, a lot of my folks hesitate from being involved in quote unquote activism and even the protests are going on right now for like Black Lives Matter and uh, justice for George Floyd, because it looks like the movement of youth. There's a lot of young faces in the crowd, folks in their 20s and 30s. Um, there has have been altercations with the police. I don't want to politicize any of that. Just there's We don't know who's setting things off. I have my own suspicions and I've observed things myself, um, but there have been altercations, physical altercations with the police and it's physically taxing even doing a protest march. Um, it's physically taxing being out for a long period of time, you know, and, and the threat of a physical altercation can be a little intimidating for folks by age, or they might have stuff to risk. You know, people have jobs and, and livelihood that they may not want to put out there. So for them, you know, that may not be their mission. But for me, we all have gifts. We all have things that we are good at and we bring to the table. We have skill sets that we have honed over the course of our career paths or our educational just life experiences. Social networks and access to people that a young person may not have access, access to that we're supposed to be using at this age. Um, so activism may look different. It may look like me reaching out to my social network to connect folks. If I see a young person that has a nonprofit and I know somebody on the board of an agency that grants funding to a nonprofit, I can connect them. If I know a, a young person who's trying to get grant money and I know a grant writer, I can connect them. Um, if I know people who have you know, invest money that they want to invest and they have some philanthropy that they want to do, I can point them to, to an agency, um, hey, so you might not want to go out and protest on behalf of Black Lives Matter, partnering with the National Bail Project that's raising money nationally to these young folks don't have resources, go donate your funds to the um, National Bailout Project. So I want to make sure that people my age understand it's okay to say I'm not going to protest. That's fine. Like it's not for everybody, but there are other things that we can do to sort of support the movements that are going on, the multiple movements, because 
as much as people like to think this is just one solid effort, there are plenty of grassroots organizations that are out in the streets trying to raise awareness, trying to um, get the police defunded, trying to address uh, issues of police brutality. Like there's a ton of organizations. You, there's a way you can use whatever gifts you feel like you bring to the table as an elder. It could literally be as simple as pulling somebody to a, the side and advising, like um, maybe you want to you know, be a little more critical or strategic in the way that you approach what you're trying to do. Like it could be literally guiding somebody who it just isn't quite sure where they're headed. Um, there's ways that we can be active and participate in activism at our age. So I want to make sure that people are aware of that and start thinking differently about how they participate in this movement. So when you were, when you were younger, were you actually into activism back then? Or? I get, <laughs> I have friends, who, I always seem to have friends who are doing something. Um, I've never led an activist organization. Um, however, I've trained through United Way. They have a VIP program in Atlanta that trains people to be board members for nonprofits. So I went through that training program and ended up on the board of the nonprofit. Um, I got pulled into grant writing for nonprofits um, because I volunteered with the UPS Foundation trying to identify um, nonprofits for UPS Foundation to donate money to. Um, and, and so I've done both that kind of thing, which is the more corporate side of, I guess, activism and trying to connect the organizations with, with money and resources. But I've also, you know, done protest marches, sit-ins. You know, I've had friends pull me in to, to, you know, go with them to talk to agencies. I had a friend who organized a protest, sit-in, and march for a young man who was killed by a store owner um, in Atlanta um, over, like, some really trivial incident. Um, the store owner was protecting himself. And I don't even know that the store owner was ever charged. Um, but I got pulled in by my friend to help them organize their um, protest. Out of that, the same friend organized a, um, a youth outreach group of the after school kind of set of programs. We designed programming um, to keep the kids busy, to keep them off the streets so they wouldn't get in trouble. And then another friend had a nonprofit that was for the arts, sort of engaged children to get into performing arts after school. Um, tutoring, acting classes, singing lessons. Like, so I just always got pulled into stuff, um, a bunch of different agencies. It's a passion thing for me, but nothing that I've formally um, been involved in. I don't have an affiliation with one specific group. I work with whatever groups that are, are actually effective at the time. So, How long have you been passionate about it? Gosh, it feels like forever. <laughs> Probably since... <laughs> Probably since I was in my 30s. I think once you get a little settled in your own life, um, your home life is relatively straight and stable, your career path is relatively straight and stable, you start thinking about how high-level macroeconomic things affect you, you, you and your community specifically. Um, and then you're like, okay, am I just going to let these things affect my community or am I going to somehow get involved so I can sway the course of the way things go so yeah so because you got so many resources because again you said now you've gotten older in your, your 50s so that that's that's giving you the ability to acquire more resources 
so would you feel your your activism, even though you you say like you said it's physically taxing, but because you have more resources, do you think that your activism is more effective now as opposed to back then or and that's a really great question. That's a really great, great question for anyone to ask themselves when they get involved in any organization or any movement, like how effective is that org? How effective are their actions? That kind of thing. I can, and track to quantifiable metrics. Um, that's one thing I learned when we were going through the foundation grant writing and or soliciting fu grant funding some organizations and agencies will not fund you unless you prove what you're doing is effective. Um, a $1,000 grant for a basketball program in Decatur, Georgia. Like, I was kind of really, because we helped them pull together the um, efficacy uh, measures, things like the increase in the GPAs of the students that participate in the basketball programs, because even though it was a basketball coaching program, they also offered to attract um, grades through the program, grades improved as program. And I, like, I was really, um, I think I've gotten better at measuring effectiveness and But I would charge anyone if they're getting involved in an organization, whatever the goals are, like for this Justice for George Floyd, Black Lives Matter, and let's, you know, and police brutality. There's a lot of talk about defunding the police and a lot of talk about how we can figure out addressing the issues. People are going to have to go to their organizations that they're affiliating with and ask them to come up with some quantifiable measures. If it's a decrease in um, the incident of police-related violence or a decrease in the police brutality or just some measure. And this is something that the police agency should be able to easily track because they already track it. They may not normally publish it, but now is a good time for them to hold the police department accountable to this kind of thing. There are agencies internally in the police department that should already be tracking this. And we should be able to ask them for those measures. So, so will you, do you feel, because you're doing a lot of work, do you feel, do you actually feel like you actually get to see the results or is it more for the people that's coming behind you? It's normally more for the people that's coming behind me. And for your listeners, this is not my full-time job. I am a full-time technical program manager for AWS. This is just a passion project sideline thing I do in my, my personal life. It has nothing to do with work. And I, I intensely don't let it impact work. Um, but one of my gifts, gifts I learned as an elder person um, and coming into self-awareness is that I'm aware that I can be disruptive. Change requires disruption. And it, it requires a level of discomfort. And I naturally <laughs> somehow tend to be disruptive and make people um, a little uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> and it's funny, like, I tell people that, they're like, I don't believe you. I'm like, if you see these locks and this brown skin and the fact that I work in tech, I'm already kind of an anomaly. Like I walk into the room and people are like, oh, she must be, you know, the administrative assistant or she's like somebody else's assistant or like she might be taking notes.
coach no i'm a manager um so and even in our own community malocs are a lot and they're gray and you know people look at that a little differently so if i enter an environment sometimes my presence is a little disruptive and then i'm fairly curious and analytical so i ask a lot of questions um things like you know what are your actual goals with this movement and again it could be casual conversations um if somebody is telling me you know they've got a nonprofit or they're trying to put some grassroots effort together like what's your goal well we want things to be better better how uh, well we want you know some someone to address the economic and economic inequities in our community okay but what does that actually look like do you want more jobs do you want more education that leads to better paying jobs like you need to be very specific in your goal so you can figure out how to get there and that can make people uncomfortable like it disrupts their thinking um but i i've learned to realize it's not intensely just to make them uncomfortable my i like to think of my gift as affecting change by changing the way people think and look at things and then i try to if they let me i try to work with them to figure out how to address those questions i have a good friend who has a um a small movie studio when i say don't think hollywood movie studio it's you, you can have an event space you know that's I don't know 1200 by 1200 or you know 2400 by 2400 and have different rooms so you can film things. Um so it's a small scale uh movie studio they rent it for um acting classes and acting lessons or if you want to come in and shoot or you know if you just want to space to have a spoken word. And when she proposed to me I was very skeptical like this is she had a full-time job her and her husband both were full, fully employed and this was kind of their passion project but they were going to send a substantial a substantial amount of money to build this place out and i'm like is this what you really want to do with this money cuz this is a vacation home turns a tidy profit and she was like no this is you know this is my life's passion I'm like okay well let's talk about the actual numbers so we sat down I asked them to put together some actual financial numbers on what the build out would cost and what they think the ROI would cost and what they we determined the space rental they would need to meet the mortgage and or cover the build out and at what point they would be turning a profit um so even with my initial questions and my initial skepticism I could work through with her like if you're looking for investors you need to have all this laid out cuz I'm asking basic questions they're going to go in like your build out specs are the estimate is super low it's really going to be you know twice that and you don't have the funding for that extra you know 100% or 50% or whatever and if i come in as an investor and give you 10 50 or $40,000 i want 25% interest on this investment how are you going to you know meet that need um so in working through these financials with them it got them to think more about in the long term how this could help them turn a profit um and it's that kind of thing that i think i'm really great at um but again it's it's super disruptive a lot of times people take it like she doesn't believe in what i'm trying to do and like it's not that it's that i want you to think through what you're trying to do so that you can convince me because if you can convince me you can convince anybody <laughs> <laughs> I you know I guess you know not I guess but that is a good skill cuz sometimes a lot of us have plans 
and they and I know I'm famous for this. Like I got a lot of things in my head, and my wife will make me explain it, and I'm like, shit. I don't want this. <laughs> like, I, like, cause she's real analytical, and I'm like, I don't want to explain it. I just want to tell you what's in my head, and I want you to run with I'm with my idea, like I'm running with it. But that's not always the best thing. So now, I'm before I go. I, I the last thing I definitely wanted to touch on. I wanted you to discuss. And Wait a minute, I'm sorry. We had a we had a break. What, what was you saying? I'm sorry. Oh no, it's okay. You go on your next question. I was going to touch on that whole, you know, having to explain to your wife like she might be your best um, preparation because if you can get by her, <laughs> you can get by anyone else. So, man, <laughs> she she definitely is, and it's just a tough sale. I'd be like, man, like. I don't know. But look, that's a whole nother conversation right there. <laughs> so what do you, before, again, I, I wanted to close with this. When it's all said and done, what would you like the, the results to be of all the protesting and the movements and everything that's going on? Oh, that's a good question. I, I think people are coming to the understanding they're not there yet, but people are starting to come to the understanding that. And if, and, and if any part of this answer is confusing for you, please ask me and I will elaborate. Okay. Racism is a hydra. Are you familiar with the, the hydra, the monster hydra? I'm not, so you can explain with that. <laughs> sure. I kind of figured. A lot of people won't be. A hydra is that monster looks like a dragon, but it's got a bunch of different heads. You cut one head off and two more grow back. Ah, uh, okay. So if we attack police brutality in the short term, cut head off, we have to be prepared that that might turn into some variations in reform along with some other reform. And it still doesn't kill racism because racism has other heads. We've got economic um, disparity, economic inequity, educational inequity, um, gentrification, uh, flat out, full on, you know, discrimination in housing, in jobs. Like there's all these facets of racism that also have to be addressed. I hope that people at least come to that understanding. I don't think they'll kill all the heads. But if we can bring people to that understanding that racism is this multi-headed monster, we can't just cut the head off, we have to cut the heart out of racism, then we can start to attack the real problem. I was really, I'm torn. I was heartened, like I was happy to see the NFL finally admit that they were wrong about the, the, the way that the players chose to protest, that the players should have a right to speak in the protest in that way. The NFL did not say they were wrong about cat kneeling, which was interesting. Um, and that's why I say I'm torn, because they still haven't apologized to that man when that man had a right to protest the way he chose to protest. But I am heartened 
and happy to see that they at least admitted that they got the idea of protest wrong. We're not, we can protest. Like anybody in the NFL can protest. Um, but also I think the NFL realized this is a huge financial risk for them. It, it, it always has been a huge financial risk for them. If all of the players walk out, there is no NFL, period. Right. Or if all the black and brown players walk out, there is no NFL. That's a business risk for them. Forget how they um, view race as individual owners and head coaches and you know the staff that's not folks of color. Forget how they view race, their personal feelings about race. That's a whole different issue. For a lot of these companies, can afford to continue to ignore racism because their employees are impacted, which means you're impacted. Um, more companies understand that. And touching the hearts of individuals and convincing them uh, you know, about their own racism and unconscious biases, which is a whole different thing than racism, but is way more prevalent than the full-on in-your-face racism, that's a much longer uh, issue to address. So cutting out heart out of racism is but um, in the short term if we off our neck I would be happy. Um, additional police oversight, external oversight and, and holding the police accountable so they have to provide the metrics on the incidence of police brutalities in their precinct. I would be happy with that in the short term, but every organization across the country, I, I watched the Black Lives Matter LA protest with Kendrick Simpson. Are you familiar with Kendrick? No, I'm not, I'm not. He's, the, he's an actor that plays Nathan on Insecure. He's, it's, it's his boyfriend right now. Life oh, life okay, life. I know who he is, he's okay, okay, I'm, okay. I know him, if, I didn't know the name. If you, yeah, if you go to his Instagram, he has been giving them folks in L.A. all kinds of hell. And he interrupted an interview with um, between a reporter and the police chief because everybody's acting real conciliatory right now. All these police departments kneeling with the protesters and that it, those optics were really well on TV. But they haven't met any demands yet, so we haven't gained any ground. And he like got in the middle of, physically in the middle of an interview like y'all gonna stop trying to act like this is over and, and everybody's ready to go home because this it doesn't help our cause and he's right it doesn't they need to have actual demands and be held accountable in every city's demands from whichever organization is putting on protests are a little different generally they're all in the spirit of police accountability but they're all going to be different and that's okay too because every police department is different I just want to see them have some interim plans and have those interim plans executed, actually executed on, and that these um, organizations, these you know grassroots organizations like Black Lives Matter and some of the other local organizations get to hold them accountable in the short term. In the long term, we're gonna to have to figure out a way to cut the heart out of racism for that again. And it's not just us, some allies of other races and nationalities gonna to have to help us with that one too. But that's a whole other, I could talk about this all night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a whole, whole other discussion. Um, yeah. But I wanted to take the time to thank you for, for giving me your input because, again, when you told me about the topic you want to discuss, I was very intrigued. And after hearing you discuss it, I'm glad that I 
that we got the opportunity to talk about it. So thank you for lending me your time to do this. Thank you for giving me a platform to do it. And I appreciate you reaching out to me and insisting that I do this because I was hesitant. But I was like, no, nah, this, is, this is perfect timing and it's good. So thank you. Oh, I know you said it. I know you said your Instagram earlier, but you can say it again so people know where to follow you at. Oh, sure. So on IG, it's the Fashion Nam, T H E F A S H I O N N O M. And really, it's the fashion name, but uh, name is Nam in French. I was having a little French moment when I was trying <laughs> to name my Instagram. So. <laughs> But yeah, the fashion I'm able to find is public. Okay. And thank you. Thank you again for doing this. Um, I want to take the time to thank everyone for listening. And a special thank you again to my sponsors, First Gen Flying Chain Entertainment. You all have a great day.